Excellent. It looks like uh, Facebook folks hang on a little bit while we let the Zoom folks jump on. And it's just like old times. First person in the room are Jeff and Jane Greasy, who are perennial all-stars with Cellar Angels Friday Night Sips. Uh, this is SIP episode 40 or episode one for 2021. But Jeff and Jane attended all 39 previous episodes. So they are very, very loyal, uh, avid wine consumers. They love the Valley and they also love the philanthropy associated with everything Cellar Angels does. So we are thrilled to have them back in the virtual house. Julie Fogarty, I see you. Nelson Holden, you. I see you. Nick Schramm. Michelle Marcella, I know you're not doing this alone. Brian's got to be somewhere nearby. Kay Jurica, Leslie and Stephen Tickton. That looks like a new name. Peter Glick, good to see you. Happy New Year. Serena Klausner, Stephanie Meyer, or Stephen Meyer. She's sorry, Stephen. Uh, very nice to see you again. We'll give this a couple more minutes. And uh, you guys all know Denise is going to throw some. Denise runs the, the uh, master control panel. So I just sit and drink wine. She's the workhorse behind the scenes, mission control. Uh, but I want to wish everyone a, a very, very happy belated new year. I hope your holiday season was memorable. I hope it was uh, filled with fantastic uh, feasts, food, friends, and great wine. And it's interesting, uh, tonight, SIP 40, uh, we are thrilled to, to welcome actually really good friends of the company. We've featured them on Cellar Angels quite a few times. And, and they have a focus, basically, of, of friendship, hospitality, food, uh, producing impeccable wines. And many of you have this wine in your glass tonight. Jim Brewbreaker from Colorado, hopefully uh, you're doing well and not too much snow out there. Good to see you. But I wanted to uh, let everyone know, to, to get these wines in advance of Friday, you have to go to the Cellar Angels website and you will see very easily an area on the Cellar Angels website called SIP Virtual Tasting Kit. So this is simple. You grab one of these and you're gonna be set for the timeline indicated. And that's how you can kick back every Friday night and see what's coming up, see what's on deck. Tonight we're tasting the Trinitas 2014 Meritage uh, Red Blend that Garrett is gonna talk all about and then some. Next Friday, we've got the Grayscale Merlot. So that's really how it works. It's, it's pretty simple. And you keep in mind, every single transaction benefits a charity that you get to pick. And I do want to get right into it tonight because it's a special time of year. We're all kind of still off and on sheltered in place. And I know everyone's itching to do something on a Friday night. Many of you are in colder regions of the country. Uh, we are coming from uh, Naples, Florida, Garrett's in California. And without much further ado, I do want to introduce you to Garrett Bush, proprietor of Trinitas Cellars. And Garrett, thank you so much for jumping on on a Friday night. Cheers. Good to see you. Thanks, Martin. Cheers. Oh, I'm disappearing in my finger here. <laughs> I like that. Disappearing act right off the bat. Like that trick? See you later. <laughs> and that concludes tonight's episode. Thank you. <laughs> that was uh, awesome. Doug Rutherford, hello to you, sir. And we have a subject matter expert on the line. Uh, actually, the initials just say SME. So that's all I know that as. So that could be Susan, Stan. Uh, Garrett Trinitas Sellers, a property that I believe was added to the impressive Bush Group portfolio in 2002. Let's go back a little bit even earlier than that. Uh, tell me about your upbringing and how hospitality, how this business basically you were turned on to it. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't mean too far back. 
I won't. I, I won't disappear. Although this is a nice vineyard up here. I like it. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. It's um. Well, I, I don't know about turned on. I think the early days I was drafted. I tell people, but you know, my my parents, Tim and Steph, um, love uh, wine, obviously, and and Napa Valley, and um, you know, we're from um, Southern California. Uh, my dad's originally from Michigan, um, but has been in uh, California since the the mid to early '80s, and, and my mom's a, a native down here. So anyway, they start dating and they get married and and in the late 80s they start going up to napa valley um and they start and it becomes a couple times a year and they organize these trips and their friends come and everything else and so fell in love with uh wine fell in love with napa and um my dad's and mom's room their dream became you know one day uh you know find having their own winery. Now, my mom, I think at this, at some point, you know, during a wine tasting, so I think you've been drinking too much wine, Tim. Uh, but, you know, fast forward to um, 2002 and uh, the dream came uh, to fruition. So, uh, and, and that's when we started Trinitas. Our, our, um, our family business, uh, my dad's kind of a serial entrepreneur. He's done a few different things. But his main, uh, what's become our, our primary business actually is uh, hospitality. So getting into wine comes naturally. Uh, so we started our uh, hotel company, Pacific Hospitality Group, back in 1987. And uh, we currently have um, um, 14 hotels. We just added one two weeks ago. Uh, and, you know, including uh, a lot of people stumble upon us and and uh, trinitas going up to napa and staying at the meritage resort and the uh, stumble being literally and figuratively yeah well, hopefully when they get there they're not stumbling but yeah leaving you know it's napa so things happen um and so uh we have uh, meritage and the vista cleaner resorts in napa and so we've been uh up there and um uh, our physical location trinitas our tasting room has been on site since 2007. So that's how a lot of people get to know us. And then uh, our, our, you know, we'll probably get into this a little bit, but we we predominantly work with smaller grower families um, to produce our fruit, but we have one estate. Well, technically two, but the one that we're known for uh, is above your head, Martin, and then I'm up in the vineyard, sometimes disappearing into the vineyard. Uh, and so, um, we make, uh, all five or we grow rather all five Bordeaux varietals at the property there. Um, and how appropriate because we're drinking the, Wait, I mean, it's perfect that, yeah, exactly. Let's, before we get into the maritime, but you, you mentioned dad was from Michigan. Yeah. Whereabouts in Michigan? Cause Nelson Holden, I know has a place in Michigan and he's on. Yeah. Well, where he grew up was a tiny town, uh, called um, Clinton, not Clinton Township, everyone gets confused, it's out in the Irish Hills. And uh, so it's it's about 40 minutes outside Ann Arbor. Okay. Yeah. So now did he go to U of M? No, he uh, he went to Western Michigan. Okay. He went to um, Wayne State for law school. He's also a lawyer and a CPA. That's where he started. So you going to Notre Dame for your undergrad and graduate, that wasn't a problem with him? No. Uh, 
Oh, good. I hear so we hear some. We got some Michigan Michigan folks, so that's great. Yep. Um. Um. Yeah. So so he was there, and then he moved out to California in the '80s, basically because he met my mom. And the short story is, she wasn't going to move back to Michigan because of the <laughs> the weather. No offense to people from Michigan, it's not their fault. No, I'm quite familiar with that story. It's why we're in Florida after 23 years of Denise being in Chicago. It, it gets old fast. Exactly. All right, we got a Wayne State grad. Good, I'll tell my dad. Nelson, I love it. Great. Uh, so then your dad moved down to Southern California, a bunch of trips up to Napa in the yeah. hospitality hotel business. And like everyone, kind of gets smitten with the valley and then decides to start maybe investing. And this property comes about in 2002. Uh, or the, you acquired the hotel in 2002? No, no, the, the wine. So yeah, I'll, t I'll touch on that for a second. So the winery starts in 02, totally virtual winery. We, we started from, you know, very, very humble beginnings. And, and actually we weren't even ironically making Napa wine in 02. We actually started as a Zinfandel house, kind of a long story, but anyway, then this property, uh, uh, in Napa came about actually in 2004 and um when it came about my dad again another long story bought it uh, and then we developed the property um and so we grew it from literally three different parcels well sorry we grew it from one parcel which is where the vineyard is and where the original resort is and then now we actually own four parcels three of which we've developed and if you add the Meritage and Vista Colina together, it's the largest uh, resort in Napa Valley and Napa and Sonoma, actually. And wow. um, so, but we opened the original hotel, 158 rooms in 2006. And that was sort of the culmination, like my dad's dream. He said, oh my gosh, I got this opportunity. He's like, we love Napa, we love wine. Or so they found the winery, then he found this property and it was like, uh, you know, a marriage of, of, you know, his dream. So he got to, have the wine business, have the hospitality, and and have a, a property in Napa. So it was kind of a dream come true. Yeah, the uh, the trifecta, perfect. Yeah. And so, and I do want to touch a little bit on the wine. It's fascinating that you were a Zinfandel house to begin with, quote unquote Zin house. Yeah. Uh, we also have a Wayne State law grad uh, in in the chat, so that's good. Scotland Kiefer, happy new year to you. Uh, met your mom. She's an incredible lady. I don't know if she's on tonight, uh, but super happy to have that exchange. And I think I've got just about everyone so far. Um, so you, like every child, gets dragged into the business, sometimes kicking and screaming. And was it, how old were you in, in you know, when this happened in the 2000, early 2000s? So, so we started in 02. Um, I was in high school, I guess. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, so then I went to Notre Dame and got my undergrad in business. And then I stayed an extra year and got my MBA and, uh, I graduated in 2010. The mm. job market kind of was terrible in 2010. Uh, a global, a global economic collapse will do that. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I said, okay, great. Like I'll start a little consulting deal. And my dad's like, Hey, well, why don't you come do a couple projects for us, build up your portfolio and everything and, and go from there. I was like, okay. So in June, he basically said, 
we need help with the winery. Like we've been doing the business for eight years and you know, we just need some help. And I was like, okay. And he goes, why don't you spend the summer, um, most of it in Napa and just get to know the business, whatever. And then, you know, use your fresh out of school, business school skills and write a whole business plan and, and everything on how we can get better and what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong. And I was like, okay. So I flew out, I interviewed all the team members. I did deep dives into everything. I, so I was 23, I guess. Okay. And, uh, and so that was the summer of 2010. So I did that. And uh, come August, I had put together this like 100 page business plan and, you know, throughout a three month process. And I was pretty proud of it. I was like, all right. And so we said, okay, we need to hire new managers. The previous one was, 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 didn't work out. And uh, we hired a guy. And the funny story is, uh, hired him. And he said in his interview, it's my dream to run a small family winery like this. And yada, yada, yada. So we interview him, we hire him. I basically hand him the plan. I'm like, hey, here's the good news. Like, this is all the stuff I think we should yeah. do. And he, he left after three weeks uh, because apparently the dream of running a small winery and the reality of running a small winery is you don't get to sit around drinking wine all day. So, of course, whenever I'm telling people this story, they go, uh-huh, because I'm sitting here like, you don't get to sit around drinking wine all day. It's right. It's a lot of work. But of course, I'm a total, it looks like I'm a total hypocrite because every time I tell this story, I'm sitting there tasting with people. But anyway, seriously, there's a lot of work. So I said, okay, mom and dad, like we have a lot of stuff in the works. We're getting into crush. We're doing this. Like, I don't know anything, but let me just step in more full time for a couple months while we, we hire somebody else. So a couple months go by, it's like November or whatever. I'm still on a contract basis. I started working on some other projects, whatever. And uh, my parents go, oh, well, I said, oh, what are we going to do? And they're like, oh, we found somebody to run the business. And I go, oh, you did? Well, I mean, I thought like I was going to help figure out who that was and like interview them and stuff. And they go, yeah, we know, but we found him anyway. And I was like, okay, who is it? And they're like, well, it's you. I was like, yeah. it is? Yeah. <laughs> and so they're like, like, yeah, you're you're starting on the payroll officially January 1st. 2011 i was like okay so that was alluding back to my comment of uh i got at, at the onset i got drafted uh right so that's kind of and i fell into it i was 23 i didn't really know anything and i it was the old school uh uh on the job training for right. trial 10 by years fire. In, 10 years and counting so that's fantastic you know you mentioned uh undergrad and grad at Notre Dame. So that actually reminds me of our first poll question. Okay. So I'm going to, uh, Shakiba Parhoon, who is new, we're going to be doing a poll question right now. The ante is $5. Uh, don't say anything good because I know gambling on some states is illegal on the internet, but that's uh, <laughs> okay. We, we don't pay anything. It's all, it's all, it's all in the honor system. So, uh, this is a question which uh, I'd be interested to know the answer. And you can't answer until the end. As both a Notre Dame undergraduate and graduate school alumni, how many times have you seen the film Rudy? 
I've actually, that's right. That's a, yeah, there's a follow up. It says, how many times have you been asked this question? <laughs> yeah. I've actually never seen it. Probably five or less, easily over 30 times. Now, I have a, a sneaking suspicion. I mean, we're going to get to this in a second. By the way, it's kind of funny. You, you talked about the anticipation of running a wine business and the reality of running a wine business and the experience. Uh, little known fact, the anticipation area of the brain is like six times larger than the experience version of the brain. So kind of mm -hmm. like, like when you plan vacations for eight months and then you get to experience the seven days, you're like, huh, that really wasn't what I had envisioned for eight months. All right, we've got... 83% in, and we are going to close this out in five, four, three, two, one. And like always, we don't know the answer to this question here at Seller Angels, so, but we are curious. So have tell us a little bit about the movie, Rudy. On how many times I've watched it? Yep. Where was the between five and 30? <laughs> 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 I don't know if I've seen it 30 plus times. I've definitely seen it more than five. More than five. Oh, I have to share the results. Sorry. Um, so, so anybody, I, I should have had greater than 10 or something like that. The, the challenge is Zoom, we, we only do three answers because Facebook only allows three answers and we're reconsidering whether or not we do Facebook at all. But uh, I, I think from what I've heard from ND grads, it's like Rudy is either the channel surfing and Rudy comes on and then they stay on Rudy or people are like, okay, I've seen it so many times. I can't stand it any longer. Yeah. I think you watch it a lot. Like, you know, it's like, okay, you watch it even before you go to Notre Dame, then you're at Notre Dame. And it's kind of obligatory that like as a student, you like turn it on and you watch with your friends. And then, yeah, you get to a point where maybe you've seen it 12 times and you go, I know what happens. Okay. Yeah. I know the ending. Yeah. Uh, I also want to, cause you have a very famous property and, you talked about how people discover the winery is more often through the resort. And, and it's funny when, when we started going out to the Valley and we would ask people where they stay, your resort is mentioned quite a bit. And it's, I didn't realize it. Uh, Mike Parmiter wine club member. Do you know Mike wine club? Oh, member? Yeah. Mike Parmiter watching on Facebook. Oh, good. Uh, yep. Mike's joined so, almost all of our virtual tastings. Hey Mike. Awesome. Yeah, right. Yeah. They, the parmenters go way back with us. Fantastic. I love it. I'm going to, uh, I think it's time we, we turn on some Google earth so we can show people exactly where you are. Okay. Uh, because my guess is if you have been to Napa Valley and haven't visited Trinit's house or stayed at the Meritage resort, you have driven by both. Uh, it's nearly it's, impossible. It's, it's almost a guarantee unless you're driving down from Oregon. <laughs> exactly. So for those of you new to Cellar Angels, we focus on what we believe to be arguably the best wine region in the world, and that is Napa and Sonoma. And we focus exclusively on these two counties. And we pre-COVID would take five to six trips out there a year, identify small under the radar wineries that just produce exceptional fruit, uh, have impeccable wine growing or wine producing capabilities and really, really, really cool stories. So this is Sonoma County, this is Napa County, and where we find Trinitas is interesting because it is right near the southern tip. And this is the inroad into Trinitas. This is the 
goes over to Route 29. This cuts through right down downtown Napa. Uh, but you can see how big Meritage is. And if I zoom in even a little bit closer, it won't show up right here is a very, very, very famous statue that I will share a picture of right here. Because this is me at the Trinitas property looking very, very scared as our filming drone is flying right at my head to get this shot of the Napa Wine Crusher, a very famous statue, which is essentially annexed or borders your property, yes, or is on your property. Yeah, it's right on the back side of it. Yep. So that is uh, probably one of the most iconic areas of of the valley, in my opinion. And you guys, it's a great walk because you can you can see the paths right up here. You can drive yeah. up and park. You can see it from the back of the property, and it's just a fantastic little venue. And and I I mean, you have everything right here. You've got one of the world's greatest playgrounds out your back door, but you also have a pool, the tasting room, luxury hotel. It's, it's yeah. I can see why your dad was kind of uh, falling in love with this. Yeah, yeah. well, Martin, I don't, have you even been since we opened Vista Colina? No. On the street? It's funny, because so, I was gonna ask you push, about that. Push, push up a little bit on your screen. Yeah, okay, so see that right there, that building right there? That's all Vista Colina. So actually, the cave behind you, we're not in there anymore. We're now across, and we have a much bigger tasting room over here at Vista Colina, and um, uh, and see those like little squares. These things. So those are all huge umbrellas. So that's a big lawn. And, okay. Uh, and so off to the left is our tasting room, and then um, it's right on the left side of the yep, right there. And then we actually have uh, eight wineries and a brewery that have tasting rooms at Vista Colina. So you can come and literally never leave. You got all these wineries um, and we also have a market so you can grab lunch or whatever. We have a cooking school, um, another pool, um, all sorts of good stuff. And, so, and then, of course, you, Meritage is right there. So you still go over right. there. You, um, we just opened and uh, rebranded our whole restaurant. Um, in February, we were open for two weeks, then we closed for COVID. It was great. Uh, <laughs> back, oh no, then it was back open and then we closed again. So uh, anyway, it's called Olive and Hay. It's awesome, Italian, modern Italian. And then we've got Crush. So there's like six lanes of bowling and some pool and shuffleboard and sports bar and everything. And you got the commons bar. So we got a lot of stuff going. And then the vineyard's great. I mean, seven acres we got walking trails you can go up and do a picnic up there if you want to um and then we've got a deck actually where people get married and stuff up there which is pretty fun i have seen that and um a couple of things so the tasting room behind me what is it or is, is it defunct or what is the room being used for now no it, well if you recall we have the we had the the tasting room and yep. behind it we had this really big room in the cave right cool room super cool room so we do all sorts well we used to do will eventually again do all sorts of great events and everything else and so um it was actually kind of perfect the tasting room uh you know had all that like beautiful wine racks and all that kind of stuff we ripped the bar out though okay basically a smaller 
version of the big cave. So like the big cave, we can do dinners for like 200, 250 in there. Uh, but now like the tasting room, um, they use it for smaller, like 20, 30, 40 person dinners and events and things like that. That is incredible. There's a, a burning question from Michelle Marcella that says, so wait, you can no longer do a tasting in your spa robe? You absolutely can. You just got to walk across to the other tasting room in your robe. But yeah. Setting uh, a potential golf cart shuttle in the future with robes and, and we can do it. Well, actually, then they and they they do stuff in the spa. Uh, you can do like a flight of wine in the spa. You can get a bottle of wine and hang out in the spa in the cave and do it in there. So, um, yeah, that is awesome. And, um, after this episode, Garrett, when we send you the the chat. Uh, you will see reference to people curious about whether or not I've lost my pilot license. Uh, we had a couple crashes at the end of year Google Earth celebration in December because uh, there's a flight simulator in Google Earth that I'm, I'm, I'm not certain if you're aware of, but two weeks of practice did not help. And we crashed uh, in San Francisco, taking off from SFO, trying to get up to Napa Valley. Uh, it was not pretty. Uh, so they're mocking me because that's the type of loyal fans we have at Cellar Angels, the ones that we can share humiliation with. Um, so I do like what you just talked about. I wanted to talk about, by the way, congratulations on Vista Kalina. That sounds amazing. And I do want to see that. And yeah, next time you're back, we'll show you. You got to see the new place. It's awesome. It sounds incredible. And you talked about the estate vineyard and we're drinking the estate heritage. So uh, this is a 2014 let, let's let's talk a little bit about kind of the wine passion that your father and your mom and dad have and now you're running things and kind of the thumbprint that you want to produce and, and have people experience from Trinitas. Uh, generally or specifically on this wine? We'll start general and then go specific to okay. the 2014. Yeah, so um, we, we make, uh, so one of my, so as I got into it, right, like I said, I got drafted, but then I started to really uh, get into wine and learn about wine and everything else. And then that set off a, a problem whereby um, I liked it a little bit too much. So we started getting in and I get really creative. I'm like, oh man, I love this. I love this. So we went from making like, I don't know, nine wines or whatever. And, um, uh, and then um, we, I started to say, oh, I love Capronk and I love this and I love that. And so we actually on some, some years, not every year, we make upwards of 20 different SKUs. And so, right. but the reason I'm saying this is to get back to your original question, this, it's all about the style of the wine, right? So we, um, uh, we try to be, really consistent and you know our the short answer is we make wine the way that we like to drink it like personally um and what does that what does that mean so, the so yeah and so what that is is first of all we want it to be really approachable really enjoyable drinkable well that's, that's obvious what does that mean garrett well I, the story i like to tell or the example i like to give is if you've ever been to a winery and they go Oh, like this is our, you know, yada yada cab, da 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 da. Um, 
oh, it's this and that, right? And but you really, really, you know, we really, you really want to lay this down for five years before you start opening it and everything. Well, I don't have time for that. And neither do most people, right? So we want it to be, you know, well-made. I mean, granted, shoot, you can make wine and have it be drinkable tomorrow and be terrible a year from now, right? So it's not flabby by any means, but we want it to, the tannins to be really soft, approachable up front. And this, it's actually funny because this wine's like kind of the epitome of that, but, and, and we want the, the focus when people say, you know, when I ask or when people ask, okay, what's the first thing I taste or what's the profile of this particular wine? Um, we want the first thing people to be, to be talking about, thinking about is fruit flavors, right? So it's fruit focus, right? We want the the red fruit, the black black fruit, the the blue, whatever it is, depending on the wine, it's all different, right? Chardonnay is not going to be the same as Cab, but we want fruit to be the the primary flavor, and then you want other things to be more tertiary. So then the oak comes in, then the ter, you know, and when the fruit comes in terroir too, but then you know some of your more soil and everything else, but you know, and there's nothing wrong with this. I'm just trying to answer the question on terms of what our style is no one's ever gonna like go like this and go oh man i really smell the soil i mean you are but it's not going to be like boom in your face what's going to be in it's your not, face it's is, the, yeah it's not the initial primary component that you're yeah, after it's going to be oh the black cherry and the plum and the cassette you know it's going to be that right so we really want to be focused on the fruit components um and we want it to be approachable meaning when you open the bottle you know, let's say you just came to the tasting room, whatever, you bought a case of wine shipped at home, whatever it is, you know, you get it at home, you can open that bottle and say, oh, wow, that's really nice. But you also can hang on to it for five or 10 years if you want to. You don't have to, but, you know, but I'm also not going to tell people like, oh, you could lay this down for 30 years. No, it's not a keep it for 30. No one even does that. I don't even do that. Um, and so it's really about being really approachable drinkable, enjoyable, um, but also they're well-made and, and we pride ourselves in keeping them. And I you know, love opening stuff up and it's 10 or 15 years old and it's, it's fun, uh, but you don't have to do that. So and by the way, I think what Garrett's also saying is if you are one of those people that likes to lay down trophy bottles for 20, 30, 40 years, have us over. And, and I'm, and I'm looking specifically at you, Doug Rutherford. I saw that bottle in December. I'm ready. Uh, we're ready. So, so I also, there's a question here. Tell me about the 2014 and how you like to have the pronunciation of the word that begins with M. Yes. Well, by fact, it's an American word. Uh, it's confusing. Everyone thinks it's French and there's a little bit of a hint and um, uh, to it, but meritage. So, so, so we have to go back like, 40 plus years. So uh, actually closer to 50 now. So, um, okay, where do I start? So you first, first off, you have to understand the difference between new world and old world. Um, obviously people understand the location, but what I mean is kind of the philosophy in wine, right? So like old world, you identify wine more by the region than you do by the varietal, right? And for whatever reason, I actually don't know, I should know this, but New World, you know, and let's just talk about the US for right now and California, right? It's very varietal focused, right? 
And so, and it's not so much now, but you know, 20 years ago, 30 years and definitely 40 or 50 years ago, there was this kind of misconception and, and, and a really poor misconception that any kind of domestic wine that was a blend wasn't a good wine. Now, right. the, iron, the irony of that, which you already know this, and most of the people watching probably knows the irony around that is that also things like Bordeaux were considered and still are the penultimate in quality. And it, they're all blends, all right. of them almost. I mean, there's very yeah. few for 100% anything. So that's the irony of it, right? But because the marketing and people got used to just Cabernet and Merlot and Chart, you know, right? So, so there was this perception that blend. Well, and it actually too came a little bit from kind of bad, you know, labeling laws and stuff like that. I'm getting kind of technical, but it all kind of plays into it, right? So, anything that was a blend, it would just say red wine. And, and to this day, if you look at our label, it says Napa Valley red wine. It does indeed. Because legally, we have to put that on there. And so, but guess what also says like red wine? Stuff that's like $2 a bottle that's not varietal specific. So, uh, so what they did was back in the 70s, a group of people got together and they said, hey, we're making awesome Bordeaux varietals here in Napa Valley and, and elsewhere in California. Uh, and, you know, but we're making these blends, which, you know, Bordeaux does, right? I mean, the whole point is, Cabernet has great characteristics, but Merlots are different. You put them together, they do different things, right? And they can complement each other and make a better wine. And so the perception was if it's not single variety, it's not good. So they said, okay, but we have to make these blends and not have it be confused with the lower tier blends, right? These other table wines, right? Because it's obviously not a table wine. So they said, okay, we're gonna have a competition to create what effectively is the um the, the American classification for a Bordeaux style blend, right? And they had this contest and the winner was Meritage. And the reason why it's pronounced Meritage and not Meritage, which is a common misconception. We all, oh, the Meritage Resort. Oh, the Meritage Wine. We hear it all the time, which is cool. Uh, but it's Meritage because the word is actually a blend of two words, merit and heritage put together. So um, you, you have merit, uh, so and, and the reason being is, is merit, because the wine's of great merit, uh, really high quality wines, and then heritage because of the giving note to the heritage of both the varietals and the blend style coming from um, France, from Bordeaux. So I like it. Yeah. And but it really when pulls you, off your mouth other, much better than the reserve, which reserve, uh, reverse, which would have been here to mirror. And just if you would have gone heritage merit, I just it wouldn't have worked. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so yeah. So that's that's where the name comes from, and um, and then and then it ties in with our our property because my dad, you know, as he was going up there, his favorite wines from Napa were these meritage blends, and so he named the resort after that. And then ironically, now you fast forward, and very very few people use the name. Uh, a lot of people call it some proprietary name and it's a Bordeaux style blend or whatever. And some of it's marketing, but some of it too is like Meritage. Like if it's on the bottle, like 
you have to certify. Uh, well, I mean, it's a it's a it's an honor system, but um, uh, uh, you can't like. There's only five Bordeaux varietals that can go in this to put Meritage on the label. You have Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Malbec, Petit Bordeaux, and Cabernet Franc. So, you know, a lot of times people will use other varietals. There's nothing wrong with it to, to blend right. with Cab or make make more, um, uh, uh, make blends, you know, like, oh, I'll put Zinfandel or Petit Syrah or whatever, right? Well, you can't put that in here otherwise it's not a meritage you can't right that. now good point and it's amazing how often uh the labeling laws play a factor the marketing plays a factor and then coming up with creative names also plays a factor and, and now you see a lot of just the words bordeaux blend on on labels and things of that nature so yeah there's a, a, a lot of um thank you that all out uh one other question are you still making wines for the vatican we do every year um, we started that tradition back in 2006. It was our first vintage. We made a Zinfandel called Ratzinger for uh, Pope Benedict. And then my parents go to Rome uh, every April and, and deliver this gift and everything. And then fast forward, um, we started making uh, Pope Francis wine. We have a Cabernet Franc that we call Cabernet Francis. Uh, and so that's been you, super you, fun. You named that. You named that, didn't you? Uh, yes, and everyone says, and well, I'll tell you the story. I was. I, I could tell there was a sense of pride beaming from you as you said that. I saw that. Well, it's, I mean, it's a clever name, but, I, but <laughs> here's the story. Like my dad calls and he goes, Gary, Pope, he calls me like March, I think it was like March 13th, 2013, Pope Francis gets elected. And so he calls me, he's like, the Pope just got elected. He's like, I'm going next month. Like I need the wine. I go, well, dad, you know how wine works. Like I can't make this in a month. I go, the good news is I have the perfect wine. It's a, I already picked it last year and it's in barrel. And he goes, really? And he's like, what are we going to call it? I go, we're going to call it Cabernet Francis. And he goes, that is genius. And I'm sitting here <laughs> going, I literally thought this up in the last 13 seconds as I'm on the phone. It's the guy's name, right? And we have a Cabernet Franc in barrel. I'm like, you know, and then the cute thing, I, I, sw I can't even tell you how many times it still happens to this day. They're like, well, it'd be really clever, you know, if like you made the Pope a Malbec because you know, he's from Argentina. You know, they're like big into Malbec. I go, hey, the if, if he would have named himself Pope Malbecius, we would have made a Malbec for the guy. Yeah. Uh, that one was out of our hands. Francis, he got Cabernet Franc. It's kind of like, ah, you know, so, yeah, so, and actually, okay, we haven't announced this, but. It's gonna get announced in a few weeks anyway. Uh, so you can hear it here first. So my dad came up with this kind of, at the time, a crazy idea. Like this happened in, oh, I don't know, maybe June last year or something. We were there, we were tasting the different wines and everything else. And uh, we tasted um, the Cabernet Franc and it was like, oh man, this is amazing. They're like, well, yeah, it's always amazing. I love this wine. It's a really cool vineyard up in Knights Valley that's up on the hillside. It's it's awesome. But um, but we still uh, the Zin that we used to make uh, for Pope Francis or I'm sorry I'm sorry or uh, Pope Benedict excuse me um, we still work with we still work with that um, fruit source and I love it. I, it's just it's we call it our El Dorado Zin. It was Infidel. El Dorado is the area, and uh, we taste it. It's really good. My dad goes, you know what? It's like really, I don't know why we didn't think about this before, but 
he goes, it's really rare that there's two popes that are alive. It hasn't happened since like the 1400s, whatever. He's like, or even before that, actually. And he goes, we should blend these two and make this wine called two popes. And I'm like, okay, like we'll do it to appease you, but Zinfandel and Cab Franc, that's not going to work. Like, it's just not going to work. But we're like, all right, all right. We'll come back in a couple months and we'll show you. So sure enough, we sit down, we start blending. And the first one we did, it was kind of like, okay, like, can't really tell that this is a blend. It kind of tastes like the Cab Francs. We did like 90% Cab Franc, 10% Zin. Then we did like a 50-50, and then it just tastes like Zin. And then we kept getting closer, 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 closer between those right. two. And then you get to this blend, and I think we settled on like 75% Cab Franc. I'm going off memory, but 75 it was almost exactly like 75% Cab Franc, 25% Zin. And we were like, actually, this is pretty cool. Like it wasn't, like none of the wines were bad. But like, if it was too much Cab Franc, it was like, I can't really tell that there's anything different. And then it was too much Zin, it tasted like Zin. But we made it, so we made like, I think we made like a hundred cases tops. And uh, uh, I think we're releasing it uh, in February. Oh no, actually we're gonna wait. I, we actually just met on this yesterday. How could I forget? Um, we're gonna release it March 13th, which will be the like, eighth anniversary if i'm counting right of pope francis's election and of course it's right before easter so we made this little blend called two popes that we've never done before we probably will never do it again um it's just sort of a fun little thing we did but um, i'm pretty excited about it the wine's actually really good and uh it's going to be interesting because i believe there was a netflix film called the two popes that is now going to be confused with your wine yeah i know well but that's okay. The label's cool. It's it's black. Uh, if you know what the cat, I don't know if cat's wrong, but uh, it's black and it's got um, the two. It's got two different in foil, like gold foil, two different pope hats. One that like there's a picture we found of Francis and another more different hat that Benedict wore. But anyway, we're we're excited. Um, that sounds it should, be, should be fun. Crazy cool. So if people wanted to get it, would they come to the website on the 13th of March and start placing yeah. orders? Yeah, the easiest way, um, yeah, it's, it's on the website. It's it, it's it's too small, so we're not going to distribute it. Um, so you just get it direct from us. So you can just go to trinithasellers.com. To, to find out when we release it, just you can, there's a place to put your email in so you get our, you're on our mailing list. And I, I think, I think we're sending out the release on the 13th of March. Awesome. Um, and we'll probably sell out and five or six months. We'll see. Um, I mean, we didn't make very much. That's very cool. It's funny. A few minutes ago, you're talking about some of the places that you source fruit and obviously with six and a half acres, uh, estate property, you can't produce eight to 12,000 cases from six and a half acres. I don't care how good you are, how close the, uh, how dense the planting is, but I, I do, I'm always fascinated by how people make the decisions on who they source from. And so that's going to bring me to our second poll question because there's a and you have an MBA and you know and you're in the hospitality business and relationship business so I'm interested in this and I think some other people will be too so when when you're sourcing from a potential new vineyard site or an existing vineyard site what is the most important intangible that you look for and you've been doing this a long time now so the tangibles you recognize are and don't don't answer it just yet 
you know, think about this one. Let this let this marinate a little. The there's so many tangible ones: soil type, uh, elevation. Is it west facing, east facing, hillside? Is it valley floor? Uh, all of those different things that you can look at. But I'm really curious, once you get past all of those measurable items and all those those concrete items, is there a special thing where you and, and the folks that you do it with, you go, okay, this one resonates with us. This one touches our heart type of thing. And if so, what is that? So I'm going to give folks about 10 more seconds. Uh, and, and kind of if you want to walk us through the process of when you're adding these things to the portfolio, what it looks like. Five, four, three, two, one. So here's what everyone thought, kind of an even split. Um, you know, does it fit in the portfolio? That's kind of a, both a tangible and intangible. Long-term relationship potential, the fewest number of people selected that. Uh, and then the people involved in the project with whom you're working. I'd be curious if, uh, what, what is the magic formula? The honest answer is sometimes it depends, like different, you know, someone that's like, we need Chardonnay. We got to find someone who like, they're in the right area, the right quality and they, and they can do the right tonnage. Right. Right. So, so that's, that's that. But I, I would say if I had to average the answer, it's D all of the above. Sorry. I keep picking answers that aren't on your list. Uh, I'm a pain in the butt that way. You can ask my wife. Uh, but <clears throat> so, um, you know, um, Gosh, it's so funny. Every vineyard we work with, we have a story. Um, and we so there is a story involved. I mean, that's cool. Don't have time to ever, but like, let me give an example. So, so we were just talking about the Cab Franc, right? So everyone goes, oh, you started making Cab Franc. No, the, for the Pope. And I was, no, like I was like, got in the wine business. All of a sudden I started drinking all these wines. I fell in love with uh, Cabernet Franc as a single varietal. And even as short of time period as 10 years ago, it was not very common to find Cab Franc straight up from, from California. Now I'm seeing it's, it's done more and more and it's become more popular and everything else. And um, it's interesting, like it'd, be, it'd be interesting to find out, but I, I, I would venture to guess like the amount of wineries that do a single vendor Cab Franc versus even 10 years ago is probably up hundred percent. Like it's, I would agree with you. And the, the challenge I'm is- I'm excited about it. I'm not complaining. No, no, no. Uh, we have a lot of Francophiles or Cab Francophiles as well uh, in, in this group. And the challenge is, quite a similar challenge, is there's a, I would say, a, a fair amount of mediocre 100% Cab Franc on the market. Uh, so you really kind of, and yours is not one of the mighty stretch of the imagination. Yours has just got that finesse and power that is just so delicious. Yeah, and we make it a very particular style, right? So like Cab Franc, traditionally traditionally not always you know people think oh it's green it's leafy it's leaner it's what i like it, it i tell people i go we make cabernet franc like a cabernet sauvignon but it, it's but it's velvet right so yeah. that's what i love cab franc but I, I like it heavier so so but to tell this story right so well the cab franc i have a winer winemaker friend and uh uh we, <clears throat> we became friends you know as, as i got in the valley and got in the business and i loved their cab franc just loved it and so i buy it and you know he knew it was my favorite wine from them and everything else and uh in 20 yeah so it was like spring of 2012 he said hey garrett like you know what 
vineyard that we get our Cab Franc from, our grower, John, like he has a few extra tons. Like, are you interested? I go, yes. I don't care what the terms are. Just yes. So like, introduce me. I'm in. So we bought like four or five tons. Um, and it was going to be my little pet project, my little Cab Franc, Garrett's little, you know, secret deal. And uh, so I, I literally bought the fruit because I could taste a friend's wine who was made in that vineyard. And uh, then I said, oh, my gosh, like, yes, absolutely. I love Cab Franc. I love the vineyard. Well, of course, I had no clue at the time it was going to become the wine of the Pope and all this other stuff. That was completely divine providence. But uh, that's like a great story. Like I, I just got a referral from a, from a winemaker friend and that's how we found the vineyard. And then now John, who's the owner, I mean, he's a great guy. Uh, so many stories, but you know, you look back and you go, wow, I guess we've been working with John for nine years and it goes like that, you know? And <clears throat> then we have um, another gentleman, Dan, who we make uh, our petite Syrah from our Mataro, which we don't make every single year, but that is from him. And if anyone's ever had our Mysteriama, our red blend, or we've called it different things over the year, Cuvée, et cetera, uh, the, most of it, not all of it, but most of the varietals come from his vineyard. But Dan, we go way back before even I was involved, and um, he's our longest standing grower. We were getting Petite Syrah and Zinfandel from Dan in 2002. Wow. And uh, they have this cool vineyard. This actually is outside of Napa. It's in Contra Costa and um, in Oakley. But it's this really cool vineyard that like his, I guess it was his grandparents or great grandparents. And Dan's like 55, 60. So, um, but the the vineyards, the vines, some of them. What are you, what are you, you're making 55 or 60 sound ancient, Garrett. What are you trying to say by that? Well, what I'm saying is he's 55 or 60 and it's his great grandparents that emigrated from Portugal and planted. So some oh, of the vines are, some of the vines are over a hundred years old. Oh, wow. And so that's, you've had that, you've had that property since, since 2002 or that we've worked with it since 2002. And, uh, and this year we got a, a little special project. I'm not going to say too much, but we, we bought a little extra fruit from this year. We made a new blend. And I'm pretty stoked. We got some brows from here we haven't gotten before. But anyway, um, those are, that's another cool one. I mean, oh gosh. And then one year um, we were consulting with another winemaker friend and we said, we really want to make Sauvignon Blanc. Where do we go? She goes, well, it just so happens I was consulting on planting this vineyard up in Po Valley. Yada, yada, yada. And, and all of a sudden, like in 2006, we bought fruit from the Lambens Vineyard in Pope Valley. I mean, if you're not, honestly, if you're not buying fruit from Pope Valley, that has to be a sin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and that's why I said, I was like, well, if I ever run out of wines, like to make for a Pope, I'll just go buy a wine, a varietal from Pope Valley and we'll call it a day. Right. Exactly. <clears throat> but uh, we've been making Sauvignon Blanc there since 06 and it rocks. I mean, it's the best and we haven't ever stopped. And, uh, so I don't know, there's just all these stories I could tell you, but you know, and, and, and we've, we've gotten into vineyards that the fruit was great and the people were less great and we stopped buying fruit. Like it, so it really is all about, I mean, look, it, it, no one's in this business to make a fortune. We're in it cause it's a passion and it's a, 
it's fun and we got to have fun with the people we work with and they got to make great stuff i mean like i'll give another example like then there's iterative stuff right so john who we buy the the we've bought cab franc since 2012 we started buying cabernet sauvignon from him in 2013 or 14. So we're like, dang, this fr if the Cab Franc's good, the Cab's got to be good too, right? And he's he's up on the the top of this mountain in Knights Valley. You know, the Cab Franc's like eight nine hundred thousand feet elevation. His Cab's like thirteen hundred feet. Um, you know, we always tell people, you know, uh, and John reminds me too, which I I know, and I kind of like I'm like, oh really, John? And I kind of play stupid, but you know, we buy the fruit and it's expensive, but if it were yeah. two miles south and it was in Napa, even though the geography is the same, the mountain range is the same, the soil is the same, but you know that Napa to Sonoma uh, uh, exchange rate, yep. we pay we pay like I don't know seven thousand seventy five hundred a ton. We'd be paying like fifteen to twenty thousand a ton if it was two exactly. miles. I hope John's not watching this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, John's watching. He's like, wait, so you're saying you'd pay twice as much? Is that what no, I'm No, 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 we wouldn't because it wouldn't fit our brand, right? Like we charge right. 75 retail for that. But all of the people that are on Diamond Mountain and Spring Mountain and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. It's all 150 plus. Right, because of the land. And it's and there are some sleepers in Knights Valley. We're huge fans oh. of that. Yeah, it's like ridiculous so we have that little gem there and we'll always work with john um so it's been it's been awesome but well, and it's interesting because you're right every grower that you just talked about has a story and we've been saying now this is our 11th year at seller angels every wine has a story and we're effectively just virtual storytellers and, and we want to tell the stories behind the great wines and uh but you talked about the people and the people i think is, is quite important and so it is um, I, I still think it's, there's no app for this, in my opinion. And I'm curious you with the business background that you had both from an educational standpoint and now with the hospitality business and the winery, uh, what you think from a winery success standpoint, and I'm going to launch our final polling question. And I don't know if anybody's two for two. I want to see it in the chat section. If you are two for two, uh, because we've got a special gift for you. I don't know what that is, but we will have something special for you. Uh, so the single most important factor in a winery's success is, is it the quality of the product? Is it the quality of the customer experience? Or is it the people you hire and how you treat them? No answers yet, Garrett. And, and again, I don't have a D, all of the above. This or, one, I actually, I actually, this one's easy. Okay. Um, because it's, and I think this is, this could probably cross over to a lot of businesses, but I get asked this question quite a bit because they're like, Martin, you interact with hundreds of wineries and have, you know, what separates a good winery from one that's failing or how do they, what do they have to do? And so I'd be curious, uh, your answer. We're going to give this about five more seconds, four, three, two, one. Lay it on us. What's 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 your answer? Wow, I'm kind of surprised people didn't get this one. It's the people you hire and how you treat them because that deals with the rest of it on its own. 
not, not even close. It's not even close. That's interesting. So, so hands down, how the people you hire, obviously the quality of the people you hire, and then from the leadership at the top, how you treat them. Because, and I think you're right, that's going to influence their commitment, sense of pride and dedication to producing the product. It's going to influence how they interact with the customer and, and it just comes from the top down. Yeah, yeah. No, you can, you can expand upon that. So, so I joined the company and took over in 2010 and we had this period where we grew a lot and we <clears throat> had a lot of members and everything else we started with and, and sure we improved the product and we improved everything, but it was just having somebody there every day that cared, you know, and mm -hmm. had literally, you know, had ownership of everything else. And, um, I, but I didn't recognize that at the time. And it's not saying that I'm better than anybody else. It was just someone who cares. And so about three or four years ago, I started, we talked about this before we got on, started transitioning. And uh, I, I, I still am involved with the winery. I'm the CEO and everything, but uh, I started transitioning kind of the day to day and we hired people to be in leadership and take over what I was doing. And so instead of being 110% of my time, it's now probably 20%, 30%. It kind of depends on the, on the week. Right. Uh, but I still like the things I don't let go of is I'm a hundred percent. Every production decision, what wines were, I'm still like super, super entrenched in that. So I work closely with the winemaker. Like we don't do a fruit. So, and it's collaborative. It's not dic dictatorial, just I'm involved with the production, very involved. Uh, I learned the hard way. Um, I got to be <clears throat> kind of controlling the, the, um, I, I'm the, I'm, you know what I, it is really, honestly, I'm not the winemaker. I'm the quality assurance guy. I mean, it's right. like kind of takes the sexiness out of the winemaking, but like, I like, like, you know, I really, I really want the style to be like this. Cause I'm the technical knowledge at all. So like no, I said, on, on the, the job training. Yeah. So, so to this day, like literally I'm flying up there in two weeks and the main reason is we're blending our rosé and we're doing the you know, it's like I, we all blending. I got to be there. And granted, of course I keep the fun job. Right. Uh, yeah. But <clears throat> so anyway, we started this transition and the company had gone seven or eight years with me being the only, you know, leader day to day. And uh, we, without getting into details, we had maybe some of the wrong people that took over and uh, we, the wine was still the same. Even some of the, the people in the tasting room and everything else, they were all the same and no one was mean. It wasn't like people, customers would come in and be like, you know, it was, people still had a decent experience, but uh, it wasn't going well. And I was like, what is going on? So anyways, we changed and, um, we hired uh, uh, our now general manager, Sonia, who is amazing. Uh, she's probably actually way better, not probably, she is better than I was even at the job. Uh, and it's just been a 180 in 12 months. Uh, and, you know, people, and then that's, this is in COVID too. So um, it's 100% the team. 
it, that, that's awesome. And it's, I would imagine it's extremely challenging when you've been at it for seven or eight years, you know, involved in all of the day-to-day decisions and live, breathing, eating, sleeping, drinking the business uh, to kind of let that go a little bit. And, and the struggle so with, oh yeah, I, I can't, and, and, and fighting that urge to just jump on a plane or stay over and get involved in phone calls and, and still continue to be at arm's length. That's gotta be uh, excruciatingly difficult. I'll tell you what's not excruciatingly difficult is drinking your wine. Uh, so uh, this has been, I can't believe it's already one hour uh, and, and, and a wrap up, uh, but really, really thank you for the insight. Uh, the, the, the papal aspect of it, I had forgotten about. So I'm glad we were able to, to drill down on that because that's fascinating. Thanks for sharing the scoop of the two popes coming March 13th. Really gracious of you to give everyone on the site uh, 50% off on any week stay at the resort. That was incredibly <laughs> hospitable of you. Uh, actually, uh, we honestly, we can't thank you enough because we, we love meeting great people, hearing great stories. And for all of this, the angels that are on and the new angels that joined us, don't forget to come back here next Friday night when we uh, interviewed Gene and Larry Rowe from Grayscale and we tasted their Merlot. But I would like everyone to stay healthy. I'd like everyone to stay safe and uh, keep drinking the good stuff. And a tip of the glass to Garrett Bush from Trinitas Cellars on joining us this evening. Garrett, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Cheers. Be good. Take care of everyone.